Friends and neighbors, welcome to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I am one of your hosts, Precious D. And I am the other one of your hosts, Honey Bee. We are two best friends making our way through the history of kaiju movies. Starting with King Kong in 1933, and now we are all the way up to 1982. Wow, we with a mu a movie called Q, also known as Q, the Winged Serpent. But before we dive into this movie, we got a couple of things. We got some things. We're gonna have another one of our role playing game interviews a little bit later Yay! in the show. We have an interview with a husband and wife writing team. Oh, Sean Tate Bircher. And Robin English Bircher. Together, they wrote a supplement for the Savage Worlds game, the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, to be specific, called Dawn of the Daikaiju, Ooh. wherein you get to play the giant monsters. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've got an interview with them coming up in just a little bit. But before we get to that, we got some kaiju news. Kaiju news. The big news is that. Tell us what is it? Tell us what is the news? <laughs> we have a title for the new Godzilla Kong movie and a little bit oh, of a teaser and trailer. And a teaser! Yes! The teaser trailer shows what looks like an orangutan type creature, presumably a giant one sitting on a throne and there's a Kong skull and a Godzilla skull in the foreground. And the movie is going to be called Godzilla X Kong, the new empire. I think X is a thing they tend to do in Japanese. Instead of putting verses, they put X. I don't know because I kind of feel like maybe this is a more, Godzilla and Kong God, situation. Godzilla, Godzilla multiplied by Kong? Is that what the yeah. is? I'm just saying I see that in a lot of Japanese like anime titles. It's something X something. Mm -hmm. And I think some versions of some of the movies we've watched are that. Or somebody against somebody instead of somebody versus somebody. I was just thinking maybe because it wasn't versus and because it was the X that maybe they were going to be on the same Mm. Yeah, but I don't know why they wouldn't just call it Godzilla and Kong. Because it's it's not actually a Japanese movie. It's the legendary pictures got a MonsterVerse thing. So it's an English language mm -hmm. film. But I thought they were maybe trying to tap into that anime fan crowd with that title. We shall see. We have a brief description here from Legendary that doesn't actually tell us anything, but I'm going to read it. <laughs> Godzilla X Kong The New Empire is the thrilling fifth film in the MonsterVerse series and sees the legendary titans Godzilla and Kong team up to face a world-ending threat so terrifying 
that neither could survive alone. The epic new film will delve further into the histories of these titans, their origins, and the mysteries of Skull Island and beyond, while uncovering the mythic battle that helped forge these extraordinary beings and tied them to humankind forever. Godzilla X Kong the New Empire (laughs) will transport audiences into the unexplored depths of a brave new world of spectacular new monsters, heroic adventures, and awe-inspiring set pieces on a scale unlike anything ever seen before. This promises to be... This promises to be a new, a, a true cinematic spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screens possible. The movie industry oh, lately yeah, has baby. really been pushing everybody to get back into the theaters. Get in fact, back in there. When it's I a actually, cinematic experience. When I went into an actual theater, not the drive-in, to see the D&D movie... Uh, about a month ago now, I think we went to the advanced screening for the, for Amazon prime members. There was a little thing before the movie where the cast of the film thanked us for coming to the theater to see it and called us the true heroes, which I thought was a (laughs) bit much like, uh, uh, does that mean if I'm a hero, does that mean I am risking my life by coming into the theater and maybe I shouldn't have? Because <laughs> otherwise, why yeah. am I a hero just for going to a damn movie? A uh, couple of other kaiju news things. There's a trailer out for the next Ultraman series called Ultraman Blazer, which stars July 8th. And finally, finally, the uh, Power Rangers reunion movie debuted this week on Netflix. On Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. Did you watch it? I did not, but I know somebody who did or who was going to. They were the ones who told me about it. Uh, So I did hear about it, but I did not hear how it went. Did you watch it? I I watched it. I don't really give a crap about Power Rangers. I've been trying to give a crap since we started this show. Uh-huh. So I went ahead and watched it. It was Power Rangers. <laughs> With all that implies. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. I think if you like Power Rangers, you will like it. If you're an nice. older person who knows the older characters, you'll get all the nostalgic feels. Yeah, because wasn't there some like original cast members in it? Yeah, it's the, the whole ones point. that aren't dead. Yeah. Yes. Well, and there's some acknowledgement of the ones that are dead. Well, one of them had nice. not yet. One of them had not yet died when they made it. Oh. But, but forever, for whatever reason, had declined to be in it. Oh. The other one. Died? The other one has been. Yeah. The other one has Ouch. been dead for several years now. So they knew. Yeah, yeah. They knew that she was gone, right. and they kind of structured the story around that. They addressed the character's death in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a nice little, stay tuned at the end of it, there's a nice little tribute. But it's, you know, it's still Power Rangers. It's still badly acted. It's still <laughs> annoying voices. And the in a way, the effects are worse because the big giant monster battle is cgi 
and kind of crappy CGI uh, instead of a couple of guys in suits. Woohoo! So, I'm excited to see it. I'm certainly not telling anybody not to see it. I'm just trying to warn you. It didn't break any new ground. <laughs> it is absolutely right. the Power Rangers you're expecting. Yeah. 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 Me and Topher were the ones that were talking about it. Shout out Topher. And uh, we were like talking about how it was going to be exactly that. Just like super corny and cheesy and all of the wonderful things that the Power Rangers are. For... Mm -hmm. And there was a couple people in it that I think I was supposed to recognize and I did not. <laughs> wah, wah. Some of them I knew who they were. Some I had kind of looked up who they were. And then there was these other two people that I'm like, all right, clearly I'm supposed to know who these guys are, but I do not. All right. So we'll take a quick little break and then we'll be back with our interview. And after that, we'll get into the movie. Woohoo! Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another one of our little RPG segments. That's role-playing game for the non-geeks in the audience. Today, I'm going to be chatting with the husband and wife team of Sean Tate Bircher and Robin English Bircher. And the reason we're talking to them specifically is they have written a supplement and adventure for the Savage Worlds game, the Adventure Edition, called Dawn of the Daikaiju. Welcome to the show, Sean and Robin. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks. So, uh, you're a married couple. You work on RPGs together. How did that happen? Shared interests is what brought us together in the first place, That's, basically. Okay. I thought that might, yeah. so one of you didn't, didn't uh, convert the other after the fact you were, that's no. what Do you want to tell the story or do you want me to tell the story? <laughs> you can tell the story. Okay. So, uh, Robin started playing role-playing games at uh, the age of 10 with uh, the Dungeons and Dragons basic box. Mm -hmm. um, sure. She only started at the age of 10 because there was a warning label on it that said ages 10 and up. <laughs> Otherwise, she would have started it earlier. Yeah, my mom was pretty strict about that one. Right. Um, my brothers were much older and already playing, and then she's like, no, not until you're 10. But you, here, you can make characters. <laughs> I didn't wow. start playing until I was 16 because my first girlfriend had dumped me because she thought I and the rest of my high school buddies were playing D&D behind her back when, in fact, all we were doing was sharing the Forgotten Realms novels and passing those around and playing Barksdale too. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I also began with the basic Dungeons and Dragons. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I am the oldest of my siblings, so I was the one that introduced some of the younger ones to it. It was sometime in junior high, I think it must have been. Okay. I mean, Early that's, 80s. That, that sounds reasonable. I was just a late bloomer on it, and you know, I was right there from as, old, as early as she could possibly be. Well, that, that's great. So obviously you guys moved from Dungeons & Dragons to other games, such as Savage Worlds. What brought about this particular supplement? Did they approach you, or did you pitch it to them, or, or what? At the time, we had been working with Pinnacle Entertainment on a couple of other things. We had come in to pinch it on Savage Rips after the original developer had to drop out of that. And then 
we worked was um expedition amazon was before yes yes okay and then we worked on uh a supplement for the victorian adventure horror setting rippers resurrected called expeditions mm-hmm. amazon in which we teamed up with uh savage world's owner and chief creative person shane hensley and i was just like on facebook and posted man i'd love to write a, a role-playing game where you play the monsters instead of uh where you play the giant kaiju instead of yeah. mecha pilots trying to defeat them and shane said okay sure let's make that happen because he's a fan too though shane is more of a fan of like 50s style atomic core than kaiju quite as much as me and so we did that and it was a blast it was a big success yeah i just stumbled upon it recently i am familiar with savage worlds i guess we should say for the listeners who aren't familiar savage worlds is a role-playing game system not just a single game it's a sort of a generic system that you can use to play in pretty much any setting so it's not just dungeons and or dragons you can play in the future in the past in alternate timelines alternate realities the weird west is one of their more yes, popular, yeah, yeah, popular settings I had the original deadlands pre-savage worlds mm-hmm. and i have them the current version as well i have a lot of savage world stuff on my shelf but as we all know role-playing games are not for playing they're for putting on the shelf and looking at (laughs) and contemplating when you will have the time to play them yeah no i get that i have uh we have a a lot of more indie games that we buy because we swear we're going to try some other system and then we just wind up playing savage worlds now, I do play like four times a week. Awesome. Which is still not enough time to play everything. So I haven't played as much Savage Worlds as I would like. <laughs> it was the Flash Gordon one that finally pushed me over the edge. I had some Savage Worlds sitting around, thinking about it, looking at it every now and then, but it was that Flash Gordon one that, that finally did it. Flash Gordon is a good choice. Scott Woodard, the writer, is a great guy. Yeah. And also married to one of grogu's puppeteers <laughs> wow <laughs> that is that is that's great so i do also have these these rifts books that you mentioned which is a story in itself <laughs> <laughs> and that rifts is a game from a completely different company yes. that rather famously doesn't like to let people play in his sandbox and yet decided to let savage worlds adapt the setting to the Savage World system. Yeah, uh, a move that I think has been very successful for them. Uh, for for which? Savage Worlds or... Uh, well, both, honestly. Or Rifts or yeah. both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Palladium's hey. definitely benefited from the renewed interest, and uh, the yeah. Kickstarters have brought in a lot of money for Pinnacle. Uh, I mean, I threw some of my money at that. <laughs> and one day, I swear, I will play it. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about... Dawn of the Daikaiju. So Dawn of the Daikaiju is inspired by the Heisei era Gamera movies and the legendary Monsterverse primarily. Oh, and okay. You are playing uh, Daikaiju that are in a lot of ways kind of part of Earth's um, defense system, the, the Gaia theory as it's called where the mm-hmm. Earth itself is a, um, 
and organism, practically. And so you find your version of Monster Island attacked by Decapodians from Futurama. Just kidding, but they are crab people from outer space. And uh, go on a series of adventures as they destroy much of the planet and you wander in and beat up their monsters in Mecca. Like you do. Yeah. So yeah, there's rules here for creating your own kaiju, but there also you can download some pre-made kaiju from yeah, the website. Uh, we'll put links to all of that in the show notes. Oh, cool. Yeah, the the pre-generated kaiju are pretty obvious types. There is a <laughs> a uh, bipedal uh, ocean going uh, tempest breathing dragon type uh, there is a flaming bird with uh, I forget if Zaku even has any healing powers in that version but I don't remember. remember there's a giant turtle yes uh, Genbu yes, yes Genbu. Genbu Yako a cyborg mo- monster who's more Mecha Godzilla than Gigan. Emperor Wukong, a giant golden ape, and then the Doctor. Yeah, Doctor Irwin. Doctor yeah. Irwin, who is named after the director. Uh, I think it's the director of the Blob, the 1950s version, because Shane wanted a blob. <laughs> Shane wanted a blob. Shane wanted a blob. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I thought that was the case. <laughs> I suspected that's where the name came from. So, yeah, like I said, I've been researching a lot of these games. Some of them let you play the monsters. Some of them want you to be mechas fighting the monsters. Some of them give you the option to be one or the other. Playing the monsters can be a little difficult, so I think you guys have found a a good hook here for how to give give the monsters an adventure. Yeah. yeah, it's it's almost impossible to do exposition with monsters. So between every adventure, or at the start of every adventure, there is like a an old timey radio script, a cutscene for the players to read out loud in the voices of the humans who are witness to everything. And so you follow those the, their adventures along at the same time that you are actually running all the combat and and even social interaction scenes as the kaiju themselves. Yeah, I, I I saw that part. I haven't read through the whole book yet, but I did see that part. I quite like that. Uh, I also like the name of the, the director, Emiko <laughs> Tanaka. <laughs> Seems like the, those two names might be referenced to something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Tanaka doesn't get enough <laughs> credit as producer of the classic Godzilla movies. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and the first name comes from the original Godzilla yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. So I like I like that combination. Uh, you say this is more inspired by the Heisei era? Overall, it takes a more gritty, animalistic approach to the kaiju that's more reminiscent of the Heisei and uh, Monsterverse eras. I'm not going to say that it doesn't draw a lot on our mutual love of the late 60s early 70s showa era movies and you know uh the Hanna-Barbera godzilla movie which we watched as kids mm-hmm. i mean cartoon saturday morning cartoon 
the cartoon. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's, there's, <laughs> we covered that recently. Yes. Uh, um, I actually listened to that episode. That that's the only one I've had a chance to so far. But I decided that would be a good oh, starting okay. point. Okay. <laughs> well, we're making our way through the whole thing chronologically. We started with King Kong. So we are just about to get into the Heisei era. I, I personally have seen all that stuff, uh, but my partner Honeybee has not. So She's we probably going to have camera movies. Got, I'm not so sure about the Godzilla ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got the return of Godzilla coming up pretty soon here in just a couple of weeks so we'll be getting awesome. into that i i told she in general likes camera so i told her the it gets better the upcoming ones <laughs> well it's definitely i was pretty salty about the one we just watched so. <laughs> uh, well it was queen kong man i don't um, blame you yeah. It was oh no not that one no, no the Gamera one I mean that we just watched oh, uh, oh Gamera Gamma Super Gamera Super yeah. yes I was very upset I <laughs> clip clip shows pissed me off I, there are I'd say as a lot of the Gamera movies are fun both in of themselves and also as good riffing material for Mystery Science Theater three thousand but uh-huh. Gamera Super Monster is not good and I think. Even MST3K would find it really hard to get through. Uh, she managed to enjoy it, but I'm like, I've seen these fights before. This is how dare, how dare you? It was just an ignoble end to the era. So, do do you have a particular favorite kaiju or a ki- favorite kaiju movie? Either of you? I'm just always been a huge Mothra fan since I was a little kid. So. There's just something about the the, the, the kaiju that sweeps in and fic, you know saves everybody. I don't know. Yeah, and I'm a Godzilla nut, and um, Godzilla King of the Monsters 2019 is certainly one of our favorite movies. We just like watch it as a a thing to have on to relax to, you know, which is a strange <laughs> thing to say about a movie in which you know things are blowing up all the time. But uh-huh. uh, it's got. Great music, beautiful effects. Um, I'm not too fond of the humans, but you know the rest of it's great. <laughs> uh, aside from that, my second favorite would probably be Jesus. Is it Godzilla versus Megalon? It might be Godzilla versus Megalon. Crap, that's a weird thought. <laughs> it used to be Godzilla versus Gigan, but um, I don't know. There's something so weird about Godzilla versus Megalon. It, I mean, it's just beautiful. If you've seen the Criterion Collection version of it, it's just a gorgeous-looking film. The colors are that, magnificent, yes. and and the car chases are actually pretty good for the budget they were on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's actually kind of fun watching the wacky-ass human adventures. <laughs> uh, yeah, it really varies from film to film. Sometimes we have little patience for the humans, and we're just like, get back to the monster fight. It, it really, uh, honeybee in particular, is little little patience with the humans. Do you have a second favorite? Gamera versus Gauss. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. The the classic one, or no. do you mean for okay, Gamera Guardian of the Universe? Yeah, Guardian of the Universe. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I don't believe okay. that's a very very good movie. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I recently acquired a Jet Jaguar figure on uh, clearance. <laughs> Target. It was on clearance at Target, so I was like, "What the hell?" He's he's 
got maybe four total points of articulation. He's terrible. His, his knees don't bend. So the uh, uh, pregens for Dawn of the Daikaiju come with some paper minis that are all yes. approximately like three and a half inches, three and three quarter inches tall. The reason they're mm-hmm. specifically that size is because I was using the Bandai Godzilla 50th anniversary figures. Uh, the little, uh, they weren't blind box when they came stateside at any rate, but the three and a half inch figures that they made as minis when we ran play test. And because okay. um, Super 7's been doing those Godzilla, well, Toho reaction figures, uh, I have for the last couple of RPG conventions that we've gone to run a new adventure called Dawn of the Daikaiju Apes of Poppin, which is very much based off of the early 70s movies instead. And Jet Jaguar is one of the playable characters. <laughs> And so I've been using the little three and three quarter inch action figure they've got of him as one of the minis for that. Okay. I think I have some of the ones you're talking about. Uh, the ones I got were just were just Godzilla and they were blind box and they were got different Godzillas from different periods. Yes. Yeah. And I popped the classic Godzilla off of his base and reattached him to a one inch square base to use him <laughs> as a um as a what do you call it the dragon guys oh um, dragonborn yeah dragonborn there you go yeah. to use a yeah he was my generic dragonborn figure <laughs> in D <D&D> games <laughs> i used to run organized play in a in a store and uh, if anyone came in with wanting to play a dragonborn, I'd go, boom, there you are. <laughs> you, you are Gojira. Uh, reactions varied. I can imagine, but that would be hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, because every time we've run Donald like I do at a convention, any of the variation games, that gets a lot of attention. Yes. With those figures. People love playing with the toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a, at Halloween, I got this box of cheap, figures that was just like you know a dozen monster figures and one of them is very clearly godzilla (laughs) another one is very clearly mothra Mm -hmm. but with no licensing whatsoever uh on amazon if you search for godzilla cake toppers you can get some of those (laughs) like three and a half inch figures that are again clearly not licensed correctly but you could get eight of them for 25 bucks. It's insane. Oh man. I'm going to look into that. So I'm thinking <laughs> of using these. I'm going to, if there's an opportunity to run some tabletop stuff at, at G fest, I might take these guys along. To oh. use. <laughs> they, they'd fit on a take, grid pretty yeah, easily. Take all the Taikaiju, run it for us. Uh, I, I might do that i'm also looking at i have this old have you ever heard of monster island the game of giant monster combat i think i have heard of it but i don't know much about it it's by firefly games which is no longer in existence mm, uh-huh. so i thought you i thought you might have heard of it because the second the first supplement for it the second book is called escape from monster island <laughs> <laughs> But 
folks, the, the listeners have no idea what I'm talking about. One of the chapter headings in Dawn of the Daikaiju is Escape from Monster Island, but that's also a oh, title okay. that one that was not influenced stumble that was, upon. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was just that's, great minds thinking uh, alike. Yes, yeah, so I was. I was thinking that's a title one might easily stumble upon independently. Yeah. <laughs> Once the idea of Monster Island exists, then escaping from it follows naturally. <laughs> but some of these some of these other headings are references, so I thought maybe that one was. Yes. Like Rampage and War of the Rampage. <laughs> uh, is, is Defenders of the Earth a Flash Gordon reference? Chapter two, Defenders of the Earth. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, I think it's also more of a gamma reference too. That's true. He is. Oh gamma. yeah, Defenders. That's right. Yeah, the Defenders of the Earth. That was from Gamma, Defender of the Universe. From Gamma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's see. why it's immediately followed by Attack of Legion. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> are you guys working on anything right now? We are currently both contributing to an upcoming game from, well, an upcoming Savage World setting from Star Anvil Games, Star, Star Anvil Studios, called Saints and Sinners, where Saint is all in caps and Sinners is spelled with a Y. It is space <laughs> opera noir where you are playing a bunch of criminals, either reformed criminals working for an undercover organization called Saint, or just members of the syndicate who call themselves sinners and doing crimes and having fun and got laser swords. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking that up right now. Is this a tiny D6 thing that you are adapting? Yes. To Savage Worlds? Right. It was originally published for Tiny D6, and uh, I am mainly doing rules adaptation because expanding from Tiny D6 and its very abstract model to Savage Worlds and its much much less abstract model requires adding (laughs) a lot of stuff. And uh, Robin did a section on the syndicate. And the corporate worlds. Yeah. Defining them. Yeah. Taking, we've, everything's been being expanded from the Tiny D6 game to some degree. So even those of us who aren't doing rules are still getting a little I'm bit sorry, expanded. I'm what sorry, what's being expanded? We're, we're expanding. Every, it's getting everything's kind of getting expanded from the Tiny D6, so all the other stuff are being slightly expanded. Yeah, so all the setting lore is also uh-huh. getting uh, expanded as, just as much as the rules. Because okay. Savage Worlds okay. just kind of calls for something a little bit more defined. Not overly defined, because Savage Worlds runs on leaving a lot of space to the GMs to make up but people want at least a little bit more lore to the setting than what they did in the tiny d6 version yeah and since we don't have to include the actual basic rules of the game we just need to expand the setting rules and stuff like that for back to the savage world's main rule book for the basic stuff on initiative and combat and all that gives us space to just make it fuller yeah well, that all sounds very interesting. We did have uh, Alan Barr on the show a while back to talk about Mecha versus Monsters. Mecha and Monsters. Monsters and Mecha. <laughs> it was a tiny D. Mm-hmm. Mecha and Monsters. It's a tiny D6 game. So mm-hmm. I have a little bit of familiarity with that. But once again, I have not had the chance to actually play it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've got a couple of <laughs> supplements for other 
some kaiju supplements for other games that I just have barely looked at. Yeah. Not enough time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, once we finish Saints and Sinners, we move on to Accursed um, Second Edition, which yeah. is another... Accursed uh, the Witching Hour. Another Savage Worlds uh, setting that it's getting its second edition and a huge expansion where you play the monster. Like, Universal but, Monsters. Yes. Yeah, okay. Like, uh, All right. Everybody's been turned into Dampir, Golems, Varger. Like, zombie kind of like zombie. Yeah, Revenants. Revenants, yeah, more like. Uh, and then we're adding, like, some cat people. And uh, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon yeah. and um, a... Um, Phantom of the Opera-style serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> And it's set in a um, a pseudo Victorian world that's been conquered by these beings known as the witches, who manifest as human-ish women, but and men. We're going to add some who are, are men this time around too. Uh, but they're actually more comparable to uh, Cthulhu-like elder things. They're really unknowable but they yeah. manifest in the world in more humanoid forms and uh, about 50 years prior to the beginning of the setting they waged war and conquered a significant portion of the continent of morden and now you are part of resistance groups trying to break their power yeah like you uh, do yeah yeah they didn't get cho they didn't choose to become monsters so they're fighting back mm -hmm. i see Hijacking their uh, steam-powered armor and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I was not familiar with that setting, but I will take a look at that. Yeah, that sounds like uh, all kinds of fun. Uh, well, anything else you want to plug before we go? I see you both do some writing about wine. Yes, so that's what that, that's my. <laughs> I mainly do most of the writing. He takes all my pictures. Uh, yeah, I've been covering. <laughs> I've been covering the Texas wine industry now for like over 10 years, over yeah. a decade. And hmm. we have a weird industry out here. People don't think Texas and wine, but we do. And I've been lucky enough to work with some of the most wonderful people to write about um, various aspects of the Texas wine industry and, and wine itself and get to learn a lot. That's been kind of, I don't do it as often, but I do write for Texas Wine Lover. So if anybody is coming to Texas and wants to, visit wineries and some related places like occasionally breweries, distilleries, fun stuff like that. Um, we've got stuff, we cover that kind of stuff. So people can know what to go do and where to go. We used to have a, a local shop here. I'm in Odessa, uh, hmm. Texas. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, there, there was a shop here that sold locally made wine, but I'm not sure how local. Well, I don't know if he was making it right there or... He was bringing no. wine from around the state. Well, a lot of it's a lot of the grapes are grown in um, the high plains near Lubbock, uh, mm. Meadow, Texas is where a lot of it's grown. Um, but most there's a there's a handful of wineries out there. There's a lot of growing out in Fort Davis and Fort Stockton, where there's a lot of uh, some up up and coming wineries out there. Most wineries are closer to us, and are in and around Fredericksburg, and Austin, and San Antonio. Right. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm sure he wasn't growing the grapes anywhere nearby. <laughs> no, yeah, I wouldn't. But I don't know if he was. I don't know if he was bringing them. I mean, Odessa is just a barren wasteland. There's no, 
it's not not enough water to grow any grapes. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if he was bringing them in from elsewhere and making the wine there, uh, or if he was just importing the bottles from elsewhere. Uh, um, well, most of the, the wineries do tend to have other people in the state grow. There's a lot of massive growers. And that's mm. primarily what the growers do. But now most of them also have their own wineries too. But yeah, most of most most wineries uh, get grapes from other Texas grape growers. So most of our friends who run wineries out in the hill country, I would say at least half of their grapes, more and more, come from the Lubbock area. Yeah. Well, we'll put a link to that up on the show notes <laughs> as well. <laughs> so uh, I recommend. To anybody who's interested in role-playing games, I do recommend Savage Worlds. I have actually played some of it. It's a lot of fun, and certainly you should check out Dawn of the Daikaiju. Uh, at the very least, go that you can download those pre-made characters and figure flats for free, so you could kind of check it out first before you buy it if you want to yeah. do that. We'll put, as I said, links to all of that stuff. I'm going to try to run this for my group soon. Cool. Maybe we'll even stream it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, if you need a guest GM or anything like that, uh, we could probably manage some time for that. Yep. It is oh, one of our great. favorite projects. I, all right. I've been talking with my group about the possibility of streaming some stuff, but we haven't committed to it yet so, but it's something we're looking into particularly if it's stuff if it's stuff we can tie in to this show then uh, then we might do that I did run for another interview I did run them through a game and then have them all chat about it afterwards because it was oh, like cool. a new a new system huh. so we kind of did a, gr a group review of the system so and uh, Savage Worlds yeah, also has a very to... robust um community content system um, called Savage Worlds uh, Adventures Guild uh, swag um, I've got some products there if anybody's curious they're pretty cheap and the money goes directly to me <laughs> <laughs> just search Bircher on Drive Through RPG and I am Robin and I are the only people with that name so yeah pretty easy to find us yeah yeah it's not exactly an open game license but it is right but it is a pretty generous third party yeah. license um yes. for fans um they just have to follow certain rules for swag yeah um uh -huh. and for for third party publishers any they have to pay um usually well they have to follow some more certain rules because shane has an idea of what he wants to wants keep. to give it pg-13 yeah it's pg-13 ah. so um right. And uh, then it's ten percent of uh, drive through RPG sales. Yeah, only drive through RPG. Only sales. your drive through RPG sales. Any money you make off of Kickstarters, uh, setting something up, it goes straight to you. It's only what's mm -hmm. on drive through RPG that you have to pay any royalties to Pinnacle Entertainment. Yeah, uh, we were talking with Eddie Webb a little while back about oh, okay. the uh, op about the open game license fiasco. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fine if you have a restrictive license as long as that's what you tell everybody up front. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trying to change the game partway along when you said you weren't going to, that becomes 
a bit of an issue. Yeah, that was the issue with that. I mean, yeah, because Savage Worlds pretty, you know, it you can just go onto their site, you can see what all it takes, and you can get going pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. There's some free chest drive rules. Yeah. yeah. Things like that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, yes, look into their stuff on Drive Through RPG, and uh, you can also find uh, Dawn of the Daikaiju on the Pinnacle website. So, thank you both so much for joining me here today. And good luck with all of your upcoming projects. All right. Thank thanks. you very much. Thanks for having us. And now back to the rest of the show. Honeybee, here we go. Q, the Winged Serpent. From 1982. Cue the Winged Serpent. Holy shit. Directed by Larry Cohen. Written by Larry Cohen. Produced by Samuel Z. Arkoff, who you see his name on a lot of B movies. And Larry Cohen. It's 93 minutes in color, budget of 1.1 million. Box Damn. office, 255,000. Oh, bummer. Yep. Ouch. It stars, and I'm questioning this order in which they listed these stars, but here we go. Okay. Michael Moriarty as Jimmy Quinn. Candy oh, Clark yeah, as yeah. Joan. David Carradine as Detective Shepard. Richard Roundtree as Sergeant Powell. Uh, James Dixon as Lieutenant Murray. Malachi McCourt as Commissioner Nick McConnell. Fred J. Scole as Captain F Fletcher. Peter Hawk as Detective Harold Kipps. Ron Say as Detective Hoberman. Mary Louise Weller as Mrs. Polly. John Capodice as Doyle. Tony Page as Webb. Sheila Desai as... Kahia, Shelley Desai as Kahia, and Lee Lewis as Officer Banyan. Uh, I'm questioning that order because I would have thought David Carradine would have top billing. But no, looking at the poster, <laughs> Michael Moriarty is listed first. I didn't think he was at all known when this movie came out. He was definitely listed first on the like in the movie too. Like he's the like screen? the first oh, okay. credit. Uh, I mean, he's certainly been in a lot of things, but um, I think it, I think David Carradine was already in Kung Fu at this point, and I thought I had always thought of him as the star of this movie, though I'm not positive if I had ever actually seen it before now or all of it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the kind of thing that used to pop up on uh, HBO and things like that. Yeah. Back in the day. And uh, I was certainly aware of it, but I'm not sure I had ever seen the whole thing. I did not even know it existed. <laughs> Kung Fu was from 1972 to 75, so Carradine was already pretty famous for having been in that when this came out. And, of course... Richard Roundtree was Shaft. The poster for this movie is by Boris Vallejo, who is a famous fantasy artist. I've read countless books that he did the covers for. 
nice. he's done some he's done some movie posters, so it's a good looking poster, but not. I want to go on a limb and say not a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Honeybee, you said you were not familiar with this movie at all. No, 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 I was not. <laughs> and how did how do you feel about it having now become familiar with it? Uh, well, I had some good laughs, <laughs> and I probably won't be watching it again. <laughs> Nor should ever, you. never, ever again. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a piece of crap. It's got some um, mediocre stop action in it. The creature is very bald for something that's supposed to be Quixicuatl. Because... <laughs> very bald. Well, Quixicuatl is it's not naked. Quetzalcoatl is not just a winged serpent, but a feathered serpent. And in fact, some depictions of him don't show him with wings, but still show him with feathers. So I don't know what they were. I mean, I guess it was just easier and cheaper to make him naked. To make him naked. Uh, let's let's get into the plot of this movie, such as it is. Let's let's do it. It starts <laughs> off. We start right out of the gate with the, with some weird, creepy shit. <laughs> with the guy in the window. The window washer. Oh, yes. Yes. I I actually felt bad for him. So. <laughs> because... Me too! I felt bad for him too because of how she's like talking to her friend but then turning around and like waving and smiling at him exactly. like hey. exactly so this yeah. guy this woman this woman's in an office in a skyscraper and there's a window washer hanging off the side of the building washing the windows and she's bitching to her friend about oh that creeps here again so apparently he washes this window far more often than he needs to because he likes the girl inside yeah, but he kind of has the go-ahead, it seems exactly. like. Exactly. So she, on the phone, she's telling her friend how creepy and annoying it is, but then she keeps turning around and smiling at him and waving. So she's leading him to believe that it's okay and that she enjoys seeing him because she doesn't make a face until she turns back around. And mm -hmm. all she has to... And he can't hear what she's saying. So all she yeah, has to do... Is close her shades or leave the room when he starts or just ignore him. Instead, she's encouraging this poor schmuck. Yeah. And he's on the other side, like, oh, my girlfriend. Yay. <laughs> like not being creepy, but rather like just being excited to see her. Yeah, yeah. I the only reason why I said we start out with a creep is because it's kind of like a recurring theme in this movie, because later on, there's another guy. He's on the roof, though, and he's like watching some woman oh. it's like over <laughs> yes but he's using like a telescope this. yeah 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 he's he's but surreptitiously it, it watching sunbathers yeah he's watching, yeah he's watching the gratuitous nudity through a telescope instead of on a television screen like a civilized person yeah and then when like when that we part came up my note was like, oh, another creep, question mark. And then I was like, ooh, titties. Okay, the creep is me. I'm the creep. Uh... I am the only creep here. <laughs> well, I've got a summary here from Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Thanks, 
Oh, so this guy, yeah, he's cleaning the window and then suddenly gets chomped just out of nowhere. Something bites his head off and he goes falling right? down the side of the building and splat and the right after head. she he literally says i wish he'd take a walk which i think just means fuck off and then boom snap yeah. took a walk right to heaven yeah. according to wikipedia here the aztec god quetzalcoatl a winged dragon-like lizard takes up residence in the art deco spire of the chrysler building because the Empire State Building has already been done with with frequent jaunts in the midday sun to devour various helpless New Yorkers on the rooftops <laughs> or the sides of the building. The resulting bloody mess confounds detectives Shepard and Powell, who are already occupied with a case involving a series of bizarre ritual murders linked to a secret neo-Aztec cult. So, yeah, David Carradine and Richard Roundtree are investigating the window washer. <laughs> and Carradine just seems really annoyed about it all. Why do I know where the damn head is? What am I supposed to do, you know, investigate this shit? <laughs> you expect me to actually figure out what's going on? Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's these weird murders going on with... Um, People being flayed, killed like an orange, murdered and skinned alive, or well, skinned. No, I guess they weren't alive when they got skinned. They got killed first and then skinned. Skinned dead. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know who first speculates that they could be connected. Be There's no real reason to think they are, other than that they're very strange murders but one set of murders is taking place outside and the I other think it's set the bird, is not the bird watcher guy the bird watcher detective is the one who uh decides that they're connected first okay uh i think they, they do go to question a like an anthropologist scientist dude at one point, like you do. because because they're ritualistic murders, they go talk to some guy that knows about that kind of shit. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, Jimmy Quinn, a cheap, paranoid crook who wishes to be a jazz oh, pianist, brother. Uh, takes part in a botched diamond heist. Now, the part about him being a jazz pianist, that just came up because the director found out he could play piano. So they worked that scene but in. It's not good. No, well, it's not. It's, the thing is, is it could have been. Is that a joke? I don't, I guess. Is it, is it a joke? It's got to be so a joke, clueless. right? It's a fucking so, joke, right? there's a scene where Carradine goes into a bar to get a drink while he's on duty in the middle of the day. <laughs> and Michael Moriarty, his girlfriend is a waitress at the bar, and she has arranged for him to try out to be the new piano player in the bar. Secretly, though, it's, it's secret. not clear. Yes, she doesn't. She doesn't want her boss to know that she. Right. I don't remember if they had a piano player that quit, or they just happen to have a piano that isn't being used, and he's hoping he can play. And the thing is, he can play piano, but he decides to do it in the most <laughs> annoying way, and to just sort of scat sing a bunch of nonsense instead of just <laughs> performing a song. 
So he's just I, doing a my bunch note of literally is wow, he's kind of horrible. Not yeah. that you like jazz, but this isn't that. Yeah. But it feels like he's like mimicking jazz. Right, right. No, it's, I think he has horrid. I think he has the skill to play the piano. But sure. he's trying to do something. He's trying to do one man improvisational jazz when he should just be playing the damn piano. <laughs> yeah. And so the bartender slash owner finds it so annoying that he just goes over and puts a coin in the jukebox <laughs> and turns it on in a very passive aggressive way of <laughs> telling him that he does Take not burn. have a job. But Carradine is like, oh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, then he's like, fuck you. Because then they write, yeah. He's like, what the fuck do you know? Uh, uh, so that they run it. And when they run into each other later because of crimes and shit, he's like, ah, I saw you play because once. Because of crimes you know? and shit. Yeah. So anyway, this asshole takes place, takes part in a botched and- diamond heist. He, he 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 has agreed to be the getaway driver, but they insist that he must take part in the heist and not just wait and in the car. And they, they fuck up the heist. Even take the keys, yeah. They yeah. even take the car keys so he can't disappear. Right, so we, we see them walk into the diamond store, then we hear gunshots, and then he's the only one that comes out. But mm-hmm. the keys are on the other... Now, the other guy's turns out later are not dead. I guess they just got wounded. Because don't they come looking for him later? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they come back for him to kick his yeah. ass because they are like, where's our shit? Yeah. So like, he's so he incompetent. Have because yeah, uh, cause he's, he's so incredibly <laughs> incompetent. All he had to do was walk away. And even though he didn't have the car keys, if he just calmly kept walking away, but he ends up kind of panicking and then going out in the street and getting hit by a car and <laughs> dropping and dropping the diamonds or the bag that they're in. And then oh, kind of oh, just, excuse me. They're kind of just stumbling around town for a little bit until he finally ends up uh, back at his girlfriend's, I think. Yeah, but he ends up like sleeping somewhere. Like it, it takes him like a, a whole night because when he comes home to his girlfriend, she's like, "Where the hell have you been?" And it's and apparently he like she's like, "Where have you been all night?" And he like slept on a bench or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's really it's really strange. And he's kind of just nutty, like the whole movie. Like he's just kind of a wackadoodle. Like it, he's apparently an ex junkie, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> feel like that. You know right. what I mean? Well, you here hey, he doesn't sleep on the bench. He sleeps in the Chrysler building. Uh, attempting to hide from police after the robbery, he stumbles upon the creature's lair atop the Chrysler building. Quinn yeah, abandons. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. This fucking security guard follows him. Yeah calls him a fucking wacko and lit- and then like can't find him and it's just and literally says like to hell with you and just leaves <laughs> this dude right at the top yeah. of the chrysler building like what kind of security are you running here yeah now i've never i've been to the top of the empire state building i've been almost to the top of 
the World Trade Center when you could still do that. Uh, I've never been to the top of the Chrysler building. I want these floors to shine like the top of the Chrysler building. <laughs> Uh, so I have no idea what the, what the spire, I, you may not be able to get up into the spire like that. Uh, and I have no idea if the inside of it looks like that at all. I, d I don't know. Uh, no did it say, I think maybe they do though. Yes. Uh, yep. Was shot on location in and around New York city's Chrysler building and uses the interior of the building's tower crown as a primary location. Aww. So I think they actually, cool. I think that's actually what it looks like. Though the owners initially refused to secure the building to the movie's production, they finally relented and agreed after they were offered an $18,000 fee. Jesus. That's a pretty hefty fee. I wonder if they were like, all right, well, we're just going to leave this nest and egg up here because why would we take it down? It was $18,000. And now there's just a huge nest and an you egg at the top of the Chrysler building. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, Quinn abandons his attempts to settle down and leave his life of crime, deciding to extort from the city an enormous amount of money in exchange for directions to the creature's nest, which houses a colossal egg. Uh, man, they're jumping over a lot of the, a lot there. Because first, as we said, the other criminals come looking for him, and so he but tells first, them. First, when when before even that, when he first just like is in the building and he finds the nest and the egg. He like whips his wang out, I guess, to start peeing and gets attacked yes. by a bloody skeleton and its bird sidekick. And just, then he like steals a bracelet or an anklet or something off of this like yes. meaty skeleton. So the the um, I think the the woman Not that was sunbathing, I believe the woman that was sunbathing on the rooftop, the winged serpent just snatched her just took her completely back up to the nest and and then partially ate her and i think that's whose ankle bracelet it is i believe oh. and then we still also body. haven't seen the creature either by the way we've just right. like it's just like shrieks here and there yeah a shadow. Like at one point we see like a beak or yeah. uh a foot yeah. And people keep there's a couple scenes where people just in the street see it and start screaming and stuff. But it seems to take a while for the police mm -hmm. to catch on to what's going on. And then suddenly they're just kind of looking for it. But there is never sort of we never get any of that media, you know, like somebody mm -hmm. on the radio or the or the TV news talking about it. It's just so, first they have no idea what's going on, and then suddenly kind of everybody seems to know what's going on, and there's no transition between those yeah. two states. Uh, anyway, there is, he, a, there is a newspaper article, a giant bird creature in the, oh, in that's the right. newspaper that's unfolding at yeah. one point. That's right. So they uh, they come looking for the jewels, and he tells them, oh, I, I hid them in the top of the Chrysler building. Come, I'll show you where they are. <laughs> planning to just lead these guys to the creature and let the creature take care of them, which it does. Uh, and I, 
I this is another movie that I kind of had to take in bits and uh, watch part of it on my lunch hour. So I think I might have dozed off. I kind of missed the part where he decides to try to make a deal with the city. Oh. <laughs> well, I see. I, I saw the scene where he is making the deal. But did I, I think I missed something, but either they arrested him for something else or mm-hmm. he, does he go to them or do they bust him? So they bust him first. Okay. They arrest him first. And then he, he's like trying to like hold the secret. He's like in jail and like his girlfriend comes and visits him and she's like, you gotta tell them people are dying. And he's like, but I can't, I've been a nobody my whole life. And with this secret, I'm going to take it. I'm going to like blah, blah, blah. And so then he goes and he like uses it as leverage to like, quote unquote, become this somebody yeah. or whatever. I, but yeah, I saw that maybe stuff. You dozed I, off. I guess I just, I saw all that stuff. I guess I just missed him getting busted initially. I wasn't sure oh, okay. how it came up that he had the information, <laughs> but, um, and what were they busting him for? Did they figure out he was part of this robbery? Or yeah. Or was it for yes. some unrelated uh, thing? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, or, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes right here. Look at your charges. And, yeah, I guess it was for the for the robbery. Yeah. And meanwhile, while all this shit's it's, happening, there's still ritual killings happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he, I'm oh, sorry, I was looking at because he wants immunity for his crimes. Yes, as part of the deal that he wants for like telling them this. He, anyways, yeah. and so, that yeah. should have been that really ought to have been enough. But he also wants a million dollars, and not just for immunity for his crimes from now, but also from future crimes that yeah, it may nobody, run into. No, nobody ever, nobody ever gets that. You don't get, well, what you could get, which is, this is what Nixon got. You could get pardoned for any crimes that you've already committed, even ones that maybe we don't know about, but you can't get pardoned for future crimes that you haven't committed yet. That's just, nobody gets permission to, to commit crimes in the future. I don't think that's even possible. Yeah, which he does bring up the Nixon thing. He's like, didn't Ford pardon Nixon? Yeah. No, he didn't pardon him for all future crimes. <laughs> and then uh, he says, I've never paid taxes in my life, and I'm going to start now. You're going <laughs> to give me a million dollars, and you're going to pay the taxes yeah, on it. That's I'm right. saving the big apple. million dollars tax-free. You guys work out how that works. You're paying the taxes. So he leads Shepard and a paramilitary assault team to the top of the Chrysler building where they shoot the egg, killing the baby inside. Because the creature itself was not present in the nest, the city reneges on its offer to Quinn, taking back the one million and leaving him broke once again. Later, after killing Powell, the creature comes to the tower. After the showdown, the creature, riddled with bullets falls into the streets of Manhattan. Finally, Shepard shoots the plumed serpent's crazed priest, but it's not a plumed serpent in this version. It's just a naked (laughs) serpent. 
It's naked. It should be plumed, but it's not. Uh, he shoots like the, a bald the baby bird. <laughs> shoots uh, the crazed priest who has been committing the ritual murders as he tries to kill Quinn to resurrect his god. Ultimately, a second large egg hatches in a different location in the city. So we get the the here we go again tag. So apparently what's been going on, although these pieces are never quite fully put together, we're just kind of left to put them together ourselves, is some wackadoodle (laughs) neo-pagan Aztec guy that fancies himself a priest has been performing these rituals in order to summon up Quixicuatl. But we don't ever actually see that happen. But that seems to be the reason why the monsters there in the city is because some priest has summoned him up. Prayed him into existence. Yeah, but it's never made exactly clear because he keeps performing the rituals after uh, the thing's already there. So it's not at all clear why he's doing this and for what purpose, what he's hoping to achieve other than just the thing being there. But like, and then what? Then you'll rule the world or... (laughs) Or he'll just go around eating random people on the street. How is this benefiting you? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I just have a pet kaiju. That's that's all that happens. (laughs) It's very, very weird. It's super weird. Yeah, this movie just really... uh, I did not like it. (laughs) The, uh, the, the, The guy, Quinn? Yeah. Is that the junkie guy? He just made me uncomfortable. Yes. It wasn't fun yes. to watch. I didn't I'm like sure. it. I don't understand why it was necessary. It was just kind of gross. I just really, this movie just sounds like ugh, fringy and ugh, just I feel it. certain that there are Michael Moriarty performances that I've enjoyed, but this is not one of them. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. In a, way, in a way, he's doing the job he's been hired to do. He's supposed to be playing a creepy little shit. And that's right. what we get, but it's just unpleasant Definitely. to watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the he real, it's job. not, his, yeah, it's not right. his fault. It's like, why did you write this character? This is, exactly. yeah, we blame, yeah. we need to blame Larry Cohen. Larry, why did you inflict this character upon us? Larry, what the hell, Larry? And even David yeah, I Carradine. I didn't feel like there was any pleasant people in this yeah, at all. Carradine comes off as a, as a dick. Mm-hmm. And that's not at all his persona from Kung Fu. <laughs> but he just comes off as a real dick. Uh, I guess Joan was okay. She was a little. Yeah, a little, she was all pitiful. right. But even still, she was, yeah, it, like she was okay. But the fact that he kind of treated her like shit and she was like, oh, well, I'm glad you haven't hit me in the last couple of weeks. You know, I just yeah. like, was, just well, like, eh. She it does seem too. it seems like, like she she has uh she has allowed him to be abusive in the past but does reach her breaking point during the course of the film and says nope yeah. that's it i'm done so that's why i didn't mind her so much because she does finally stand Eventually, up for herself yeah. and say no forget it 
I'm out of here. I don't like, I, I liked you better when you were nobody. Although when he was nobody, apparently he would smack her around a little bit, but yeah, he was an even yeah, bigger he was asshole. Nobody, he was- yeah, no, fuck that. Just fuck that. Fuck everybody in this yeah. movie. It's just a bunch of unpleasant people doing unpleasant things. And the coolest yep. part of the movie is the kaiju, sort of, kind of. It's like last time, was it last week we had water dinosaur? This week we have yep. air dinosaur. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, and I'm just like, eh. It also is, it's kind of an ersatz air, King Kong you know, it's in New York. Mm. He's on the Chrysler building instead of the Empire State building. But he still mm-hmm. gets filled full of bullets and falls to the street to die. There's yeah. no, there's no, you know, Fay Ray exactly. He just chomps any Fay, potential Fay Rays immediately. Which, but, I mean, we, I'm not complaining about that necessarily because. Like, I love favorite. I think she's great, but we don't necessarily need, like, a love interest or, like, you right. know what I mean? Like, a yeah, dumb yeah. blonde, like, walking around doing, like, weird bimbo things <laughs> that don't make any sense. Right. And um, so I, like, appreciate that, but it just felt like there was – this was this feels like kind of one of those movies where maybe something pleasant like that would be okay, you know? I don't know. It just – I don't know. it it's it really it kind of sucked kind of sucked hate to Uh, say it but yeah it it was kind of garbage yeah um let's see i'm looking at the critical response here it's got 72 percent on rotten tomatoes consensus it has to be for like the actual monster shit because it, it can't be for the story Let's see. The consensus reads Q's campy charms may be lost on audiences who want their monsters frightening, but a game cast and lovingly retrograde special effects give this kaiju romp some majesty. I'm going to hard disagree on that. I did like the <laughs> effects like when the so the, when, there's this one point where we see uh, we don't actually see the kaiju but we kind of see like a shadowy figure it's probably Uh the only point that the bird creature looks like a person in a suit probably like the only time that we kind of get that feel and he reminds me of bird person from rick and morty like it's very much like that shape Uh uh-huh do you know which part i'm talking about i think so was this the the priest or it was either the priest or the anthropologist yeah, I think it's the priest. Is wearing a but I, I quetzalcoatl suit. Uh huh. I don't know, man. It it just yeah, it was garbage. Yeah, I did not care for it. Uh, but here's an interesting bit under the critical responses. Roger Ebert gave the film two and a half out of four stars in his original review, commending Moriarty's performance. Ebert relates an the anecdote that when movie reviewer Rex Reed met the producer, Samuel Ziarkov, Reed told him, what a surprise, all that dreck, and right in the middle of it, a great method performance by Michael Moriarty. While, Zarkov, <laughs> Ar, while Arkov replied, that dreck was my idea. Uh, so, yeah, it's got a few... 
good reviews, but I don't think it holds up well. And yeah, yeah everybody in it was kind of unpleasant. Yeah. So the what cool you... shit was the monster shit, and it wasn't really that yeah. cool. But we're in uh, 1982. This is post Star Wars. Um, Harryhausen has already made his final film, and we're still getting stop motion that just seems. I mean, this review called it retrograde, but it just seems like behind the times. It's not like if you're making stop yeah. motion. If you were making stop motion now, which some people still are, they're purposely doing a retro style. Mm-hmm. They're, but this just seems like not keeping up with the state of the art. I like I like different. stop motion. I really do. I really do. But yeah, it just doesn't. It's not, it's probably the best thing about the movie, the stop motion, and it's yeah. not good, my friend. <laughs> So what are you going to rate it, honeybee? Uh, I'm going to rate it a two. Yeah. Nah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe a one and a half. <laughs> Maybe a one and a half. Uh, that's that's fair. I guess I'll go ahead and give it a two. I don't remember what I actually gave it on like Letterboxd or whatever, but <laughs> I did not like it. Did not like it. So there yeah, you go. I didn't really like it Q, also known as Q the Winged Serpent. Available to stream if you care to on pretty much all the platforms for free. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. It's on Prime. It's on Tubi. It's on Pluto. I think it's even on Vudu. Vudu's got a a number of free with ads things. And I think it's on there. Mm-hmm. So it's on, yes. it's on everything. Uh, Honeybee, this is what I've decided the last episode of the season, which has been going on for uh, a year and a half or so. Even maybe longer. Cause isn't it June is our birthday. Uh, Yeah. More than, more than a year and a half. It's, it's almost May. It's almost June. So two years. Yeah. Almost. The reason I'm deciding it's the end of season one is because next week, we will be talking about the return of Godzilla. And I feel that that the beginning of the next phase of Godzilla, the beginning of the Heisei era is a good place to start season two. So even, even though we're calling this the end of a season, the next season starts Uh next week. (laughs) Starts right away. Fuck Yes. And we're going to have another role-playing game person interview on next Yay. week's episode. Just happened to get two lined up, one right after the other. So we will be talking with the guy that wrote Mecha versus Kaiju next week. Very fucking cool. Hold on, hold on. Season two, y'all. Are you are you Sorry. are you okay? Let me yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to find his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh that is Jonathan Wright, 
who wrote Mecha versus Kaiju that, and there's numerous versions of it. And we'll be talking to him about the latest version that is currently in development. So, uh, now, now return of Godzilla is not as easy to find as Q was, but if you look on the internet, in an archive maintained by a certain organization, um, you might be able to find both the Japanese and American versions of it. Just maybe. The only thing that is currently officially available is a Blu-ray of the Japanese release. It is not officially streaming anywhere. So good luck with that, folks. Um, join us here next week for that until then, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honey Bee. Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. And please don't miss you, science. We won't see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go. Hey. You've been listening to Monster Movie Funtime Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.